this month's lesson, Pastor Bill shares some insight on what he has learned in his 35 years as a successful leader. The information I'm going to give you today is going to be a lot of gold, and I'm going to talk to you about just lessons I've learned after 35 years. You can't be somewhere 35 years and it growing without learning some things, both good, bad, but you will learn. So I'm going to jump right in and just tell you some things I've learned and see if you can, uh, if you can utilize any of these and apply any of these. Uh, I, I, I make these as, as gifts for you. Take it, go to school on my shot, okay? Number one, learn to profit from wise people. Learn to profit from wise people. Surround yourself with people that are smarter than you so that they can teach you and that way you're always growing. Proverbs 24, verse 6 says, In the abundance of counselors there is victory. Um, I say to you, be a lifelong learner. Always learning, asking questions, looking for people who have been successful in the areas that you want to benefit from. And if I need to improve in something, I need to just quickly say, who is it that is doing this better than me? And then go to them, if possible, and, uh, and learn all I can. So the biggest thing I learned right off the bat was to profit from the wise people in my circle. Number two, learn to develop leaders. Now, if you're going to be growing an organization or leading any kind of organization, you can't do it alone. So you're going to need some other people that you can help to develop their leadership skills with. And, um, you know, Jesus taught it best. He, he modeled the process of developing leaders when he went out and he called specifically 12 men that he could pour his life into. He didn't look out at the crowd and say, let me grab a megaphone and run out here and, and, and preach to the crowd. He, the Bible would say he saw the multitude and then he called his disciples to himself because he understood if I can duplicate and uh, multiply myself through them, they will take the ministry and then they will take it further. And so you want to make sure that you've got some people around that you're developing in leadership. I've done that all my life by giving books to people or, or information to people. If I had a guy around me I thought had some leadership potential, I'd say, you might be interested in this. If they took it and devoured it, then I'd give them more. That's the goal. Now, the starting place in that, by the way, quickest way to learn is if you're, if you're a parent, uh, learn leadership or develop your leaders out of your children. Teach them. I have a guy who has two sons that are phenomenal leaders. I mean, these boys are beyond what they should be at their age. And I asked him one day, how did they get there? He said, I started their leadership training when they were kindergartners. He said, I would teach them how to say no. I would come up and say, do you, <clears throat> like, do you, we'd role play. Do you want drugs? No. And he said, I would teach them all these kind of things early on. Do you want to follow the crowd? They're doing this. And they would learn to say no. He said, we implemented that at home around the dinner table so that my kids, it wasn't the first time they were ever approached with that when they got to be adults. He said, that's why when my kids were 13, 14, and 15, they didn't get off track like other kids because I developed them early on and gave them experience. So I challenge you to do that. You learn to develop the leaders. And, and the way to do that is you're going to need a plan is figure out what I want them to do and know, and, and then a process. How do I do that? And then a commitment to do it. It's not enough just to have the plan and have the process, but if you don't commit to do it, it's worthless. So that's the second thing I learned was developing leaders. Uh, the third thing is this. Uh, learn to endure. Uh, your life is going to be one of many challenges and a lot of mountains and a lot of experiences at times where you think, would it be easier to just quit? And, and I tell you the truth is, uh, if you just up and quit, you're going to find yourself one day living with regret. You're going to say, if I'd have just finished that, I wonder what would have happened if I'd have stayed in there. And, uh, you know, Ephesians 6.13 talks about how we stand 
Put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand when the evil days come, having with done, done everything to stand. And uh, that means sometimes you're just going to have to just stick right where you are in the midst of your adversity or conflict or when it'd be easier to walk away, when your feelings are hurt or whatever. You're going to have to learn to just endure. And it's funny how if you endure, one day you'll discover that that will pass. Maybe you'll learn something through it, but you'll get on to better seasons of your life. So I learned those things right off the bat, how to profit from the wise people, how to develop leaders, how to endure. And number four is something I had to work on, and that is learn to listen. Um, one reason that conflict grows is that both parties are committed to talking, and none of them are committed to listening. And so listening is different than just hearing. Listening is actually... Uh, listening to what they're saying, how they're saying it, what tone they're saying it behind. I was in Alaska the other day, and there was one particular pastor going through a very tough time, and he was telling me about his tough time. And I reached over and just put my hand on his shoulder for a minute and just kept trying to calm him down. Underneath, he's hurt, and he's coming out in anger. And I can tell, I mean, he's angry at everybody now. I mean, it doesn't matter if he goes to McDonald's and gets a cup of coffee. He's going to be angry at the waiter. Uh, the reason is because he's got all this hurt. He's not processing it well. And I, and I remember thinking, you know, I want to listen to this guy. But the more I listened to him, the more I saw underneath his real issue is he's just hurt and he's angry. Now, um, I could have given him a flippant answer, but I, it, it, the answer wasn't the important thing. The answer was trying to help him to take away some of that. Learning to listen will save you a lot of problems when you really hear what they're saying. My wife and I do this all the time. She's a better listener than I am. Mine is a learned skill. Hers is a natural skill. But we can be with someone and they can tell us some things going on. And she said, did you hear that? And I will think, no, I didn't. I heard this and this. No, did you hear? Here's where they're coming from. This is what they're perceiving. And oftentimes she saved me from making a wrong decision just because she heard exactly what the problem was. So I challenge you to do that. Learn to listen. Uh, the, even as a parent, you know this, it's easier for us to just come down on and quickly say don't or whatever. But if you hear them out, they'll talk to you more. So I had to learn that. That's one of the things I learned after 35 years. Uh, number, number five, this one's not hard for me to do. Number five is learn to think, uh, learn not to think too highly of yourself. Um, if, don't, don't allow other people to make you more than you know you are. Uh, there'll, there'll be a lot of people that tell you how great thou art and how wonderful and they'll applaud and all that kind of stuff. And that's good. It's nice. And we all need validation, affirmation, encouragement. I understand that. But don't live for that. Don't look for that. Don't, don't continue to, uh, to pursue that. Uh, don't think so highly of yourself. Always, always put yourself in the role of I, I'm not that good. You know, that I, I, I may have some skills, but I could develop those. But I'm just, I just haven't arrived yet. Remember that, that God can do without you. You can't do without him, okay? Um, God, God, God will keep the things running long after I'm gone and did it before I got here. So I, my dependence is on him. He's not dependent on me. And so if you don't think highly of yourself, I think God can take you a long ways. Number six. Learn to handle the dryness uh, and seasons of planting. There's going to be times in your life when it's not all harvest, when it's not all good coming in. It's not you're on top of the mountain just feeling the breeze and enjoying the sunshine. There are going to be times in your life when the daily grind at work 
or the fatigue or the planting or all of that stuff. It's not thrilling. What you're doing is you're working, you're serving, you're doing the right things. But at the same time, it's not always thrilling. By the way, you know, when people say, well, make work your, your fun, I, that'd be nice. Most people, it's not, and that's okay. Uh, I think some people have a crazy idea about work. Work is work, okay? That's why they call it work. It's work. And, and fun is fun. And, and if they all, if, if every now and then they, they blend over, good. But most of the time, it's not going to happen. If you told everybody today, just quit your job and go do something that's fun, you know, that's the... That, that was the new mantra for the last uh, decade. You know, go have fun at work. Work's supposed to be fun. Um, and I always looked at that and said, that, that, don't, that don't work. I mean, I, I don't know that everybody loves their job. It's great if you do, and I hope you do. But not everybody can just afford to just drop what they're doing and go do what's fun. That's why you have fun over here, recreation over there. That's why they call it the weekends. That's why they call it time off, and then they call this work. And so learn to handle those things. Your maturity is going to be in how well you handle the times when it's not all sunshine. Um, that, that's going to be the real material. God, didn't, God never called us really to be successful. He called us to be faithful. So you be faithful in and out of seasons. Number seven, learn how to prioritize your calendar and your family time. Now, family time is not something that you can really put off. You cheat that, and one day it will come back to bite you. Uh, every day that you fail to plan time for your own self and your family is a day you're making it harder on yourself and your family. They deserve the best of you. So what you've got to do is this. Prioritize your calendar. This is what I'm going to do, when I'm going to do it, how I'm going to do it. And um, don't let every urgent thing drive you. If everything is, you know, that's needful, has to be solved, is urgent. If that's got a hold of your calendar and you're running around from here to here to here, you're not getting much accomplished and you're ex you've expended all your energy when you get around the people that need you most. And so you've got to have a balance of this is the time that I'm all engaged, I'm all in, this is calendared, but this over here is calendared too. I suggest you take your calendar at the beginning of the year, mark out your days. I do that with myself. I mark out at the beginning of a year when I'm taking off or where I'm going to be. And I take care of me because I know if I don't take care of me, nobody else is. There'll always be a need. There'll always be an urgency. There'll always be something that takes that. And if it gets it long enough, there'll be a day you're just way too tired to enjoy any time you would have off. Number eight, learn to build teams. Um, if you can build teams, they can take your job, your ministry, whatever, a whole lot further. Uh, the, the work you put into building a good team will pay off exponentially. It's, if, I'm, if I'm building a team and they take it, they'll last longer, they'll do better, they'll be more creative, they'll be more effective. And teams work a whole lot better than just a one-man show. So the secret's going to be in that point, you learning how to develop other people around you that they also use their gifts, feel an ownership, and they make a difference. And in the end, everybody's doing well because... You built teams and nobody's exhausted. Number nine. Number nine is learn how to handle criticism. If you do anything right, you do anything worthwhile, you're going to be criticized. And that's going to happen. People who have no dream are always going to shoot at yours. And so understand if, if criticism is true, if what they say about you is really true, then correct it. You know, they, they tell you something that you know, yep, that, that I don't have a leg to stand on. Then that's good. Acknowledge it. Correct it. 
and, uh, and, and move on. If it's not true and you know it's not true, then ignore it. Uh, just learn to ignore it. Don't, you, don't have to, you don't have to answer it. You don't have to defend yourself. You don't have to, you don't have to try to, to, to explain or get acceptance. Uh, one of the things I learned about criticism is this. Your, your friends never need an explanation. They, they just don't. Friends don't need an explanation. And your critics will never accept one. No matter how good it is. It doesn't matter. You can have the perfect explanation. Your critics are not going to accept it because they want to find fault. And your friends don't need an explanation because they know you. And so when it comes to criticism, if you're not careful, you will let the, the critic distract you from doing what you are called to do. So if you've got a job or you've got a ministry or something and you're doing that, when you hear the criticism, that could be for you a, an opportunity to say, either I'm going to stop and get off track, or it could be for you the validation that I must be doing something right. And uh, when you do that, I used to have, when the church was real little, I had one guy that was real negative, and we had business meetings in those days. And whenever I'd, I'd bring up an idea that we were doing or direction we're going, um, the people would be on board generally, but he would not be. And I remember one night we were doing something that was fairly big for us, and I remember that I kept looking at him, and he was not giving me any indication that he was for or against. And it just bothered me. And then there came a moment he started shaking his head no and he was against. And then's when I knew, okay, we're, we're good now. Uh, we're, we're finally, since, since Marvin is against it, I know we're on the right track. If he had, if he had validated it, I'd have probably said, let's stop, take another month, pray about it. But the fact that he's always on the other side, that when, when he began to show me he was again, I thought, okay, I know we're on the right track now. So that's how you handle criticism. Number 10. Number 10 is learn how to value learning. Um, you will grow in any area that you commit yourself to learn. Whatever area you commit yourself to learn, you will grow in it. So value learning. Put it as a high priority. Don't... Don't make life one of these deals of, okay, I grew to a certain place and now I don't have to learn. Um, you don't want to be the teacher. You want to be the student. People that go through life say, I want to teach, I want to teach, I want to teach. They always, you know, I got something I want to teach. I got something I got to say and everybody needs to hear it. Not necessarily. If you'll just spend your life learning, I promise you, people will come to you to get your goods. You don't even have to promote your goods. They'll come to you to get them. And so value learning and will keep you growing. Number 11, learn how to recognize your temptations and your weakness. Now, nobody knows you like you. Um, you know yourself. You know, you know what would make you fall. You know what would make you get off track. You know what would wreck your life. You know where you're weak and where you're strong. Acknowledge that. Be aware of what you do or your own temptations or your weaknesses and learn that early. Then be on guard and police yourself. You know, we, we talk about nowadays, there's another term out there that's accountability groups. Have somebody hold you accountable. Um, I guess that's true for somebody that can't hold themselves accountable, but there comes a time that if you're not doing it, it don't matter how many people you, around you are trying to do it for you. You've got to police yourself. Temptations happen all the time. I, I get it, you know, opportunities. I don't know if it's temptation, but there's probably 10 opportunities every year that I get that are just blunt opportunities to get off track with, uh, you know, out of your marriage or with a money-making deal or with some other ministry. And, um, and, and when you recognize that, you just recognize, 
Uh, first of all, I'm not that good looking, so I don't know what the, you know, what the attraction is, but that's, that's not what I want to do. Or that's not where I want to spend my time. That's not the business I want to be involved in. That's not the cause I need to promote. And so when you can recognize your own self, it helps you. Don't ever put yourself in a place where, uh, where that situation can steal your integrity. If you're in a place where you know that this is, if you, if you have a real weakness, do what you can to cover that and watch that. Police yourself. Number 12, learn how to build to last. Now, some things are not worth your time. Some things are not worth investing your time or people or resources in. Uh, the question is, I, I want to ask this question if I'm doing ministry, and if you're in, in ministry or the marketplace, the question is, what am I doing right now that's going to matter five years from now? You know, what am I, what am I doing here that's going to matter then? And if what I'm doing now don't matter then, why am I doing it now? And so I just want to make sure that what... Before I get into that area, I want to know, is this going to be an area that is just a temporal fix? Or is this an area that at some point I can step back from and it's still going makes a difference? So you want to learn to build something that's going to last. Number 13. 13 is this. Learn the importance of making well-thought-out decisions. Uh, think carefully. Before you fire, 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 weigh some things. Uh, think it through. Um, don't simply run out over every new idea or don't run from circumstances or something that you have behind you. Um, don't underestimate the, the value of taking the time to think it through. And I always think things through in a lot of different ways. One is I, I think it through like, do I really want to invest this time or effort and energy in this? Uh, what return are we going to get from this? Is this the best return we can get from something? And then when I look at it, I say, now, do I have the energy and uh, do I have the time to invest in that? And I, and I want to ask out those things. And then I even go to another case. I say, what's worst case scenario? What is, what, what's the worst that could happen if I did that? And if I write out worst case scenario, I might say, you know, that's not worth the risk. If on the other hand, I say, you know, worst case scenario, I can still handle that. So th th there's, a, there's a way of just make your decisions when you make them, make them well thought out. Do, it, do, as many, do as much research and get as many answers as you possibly can before you fire. I even suggest get some people around you during that time and tell them what you're thinking about. And they may punch holes in it, and that's okay. I'd rather them shoot it down privately than for it to get shot down publicly afterwards. Number, number 14. Number 14 is this. I learned to appreciate God's providence. When I say appreciate God's providence, that is this. God knows where you are and what you need. He's in charge of the whole universe. Um, the more you can appreciate his provincial hand, um, the more peace you'll have. Uh, and, and, and then you'll see his hand all around you. And what I mean by that is this. You are where you are right now because God puts you there. So make the most of where you are. Don't spend your life looking somewhere else and saying, I wish I were over there if I could only be there. Where you are right now is where God wants you to give 110% right there. You put everything you've got into right there. And when the time comes for you to be moved or promoted, God will make a way. He'll make it so clear when, when you've expended everything or you're prepared for the next thing, he'll put you there. A lot of people want to be over there. They're not prepared yet. They haven't finished out where they are here. And so just accept God knows where I am. If God wanted me there, I'd be there, but God has me here. So while he's here, I'm going to do so well here 
that I'm going to make this the place that everybody wants. And if I do that right, guess what? I'll get the opportunity to go help other people to learn how to do the same. So just chill out and, and put the steering wheel back in his hand. And number 15, learn to remember God at all times. Be aware of God every day of your life. Be, be aware. Uh, the reason that Israel, the nation of Israel, was told over and over and over, every time they would see a miracle from God, they would say, now stop and put these stones out because your children one day are going to walk over this river and they're going to say, what mean, what, what meaneth these stones? And why are these stones here? And you're going to be able to go back and say, well, this was the place where faith was built in the lives of people. And this is the place where they parted the seas. Or this is the place where the wall came down. And, and what he was saying is build memorials on a regular basis everywhere you go that pinpoint back to that moment. I've done that all my life. Wherever I got a promise from God, I would take that verse and I would highlight it. And then I would even frame it. And I have it on a wall in my study. And there are moments, there are probably about 12 of them that, that I have right now, that there were moments when God showed me something. At that moment, I needed a specific word. So I utilize those, and I go back, and I even have on the bottom of it the date. You know, I may have a verse, then I'll put the situation and the date of when it was. And I can go back and say, June the 3rd, 1991, this is what I was experiencing, but this is how God gave me a promise, and this is how the outcome came. And I do that to keep my faith up. That's the way you do that. And so remember, just remember God at all times. He hasn't forsaken you, hasn't forgotten you, but you've also got to have those times you look back. And one of the greatest ways to build faith for the future is remember the faith that you had in the past, how it did not fail you then. So if I'm facing a big mountain in the front, instead of saying, oh gosh, how can we do that? Here's what I want to do. I want to stop and say mentally, where, what, how did I feel years ago when this situation happened? I remember I was scared, but God came through. What about that situation? I didn't see a way out, but God made a way. I didn't see how God was going to handle this, but God did that. And the more I go back and remember those things, the easier it is to face the future now. So having said all that, those are things I've learned in 35 years. I hope I've really learned them and live them out. I believe I have in most cases, but I'll still have to go back and, and relive some of these as well as time goes because life is always moving. But I challenge you to do this. Look in those things, go over them, learn from them in your own life, and go to school on my shot. If you'll, if you'll let me, having had the experience for you, it'll save you from some of the hard times you may have in, down the road. So that's my goal to you. Thank you so much. Glad you're here. I want to have a word of prayer with you for just a moment. Father, thank you for everyone today that's following BPL leadership, that wants to be a leader and wants to grow. Lord, will you give them wisdom and guidance and direction? I pray, God, that you will open the heavens for them and give them favor as they seek to grow. And for that, we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you have enjoyed this lesson. Be sure to check out all of our online resources available to Bill Purvis Leadership subscribers, including a brand new discussion forum where you can share information with your peers. Have a great month.